As we are winding up at the conclusion of Sermon on the Mount, we have three or four more weeks of former sermons on, on that. <clears throat> and I think that today's message is, passage is timely in what we are going through. Um, yesterday, as we worked on you know, moving things, Sweating together, we realize that uh, the easy way of Christian doing Christian life is always attending a program as if you're attending a show or something. But as we try to live out our Christian life as a God's family together, it takes longer way, it takes more difficult way. And I really want to, without any apology, you know, to challenge you, to be in the thickness of this work that we're doing together as we receive God's blessing. If you missed it, there are plenty of opportunities this coming. And I'm going to, I think Stan will make an announcement. Uh, even today, as soon as we uh, finish the service, we need to move everything out. And they're going to still starting uh, this week and tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, demo this place. So even including Miss Hannah's class, that's going to be our nursery cry room. Um, so I, I will send the email this coming week, maybe Tuesday or so, what's coming ahead. But just think of it as three Sunday, uh, three Saturdays, because we're worshiping two Sundays upstairs. So each Saturday we need to set it up and taco i'm going to ask you to come later to make the announcement probably nine the call time is nine o'clock probably right so three sun three saturdays we need to come why three saturdays because two saturdays setting up the worship upstairs and the third saturday to move everything back in God willing, we'll be here worshiping for the first time at the new, newly expanded worship room on September 4th. That's the plan. So September 3rd, we need to move everything back in. So without further ado, let's pray one more time as we begin. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you that we belong to you, that you have given us the very word of God and your scripture to guide us, to continually uh, charge us and strengthen us through your word. We pray boldly this morning that you would speak to each one of us personally, powerfully in such a way you can. We pray that the very word of God will be uh, received with open heart and submissive heart. And I pray for the church overall that you will continually point to the right directions. And, um, we pray for your glory to be our supreme concern throughout the hour. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As we continue the Sermon on the Mount series, today is we come to a, a section that begins conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. But before we get to the conclusion part, let's give you a bird's eye view. Remember, as we started several months ago, introduction, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and then it begins, Jesus begins with eight Beatitudes. The eight Beatitudes are the portrait of citizens in the kingdom of God. Those who are already saved, and therefore you should live like this as a citizens of God's kingdom. It begins with Christian character. Our being, our doing flows out of being. Our transformation is inside out. Heart transformation is the beginning point of all Christian authentic transformation. Rather than fixing on the outside and try to somehow affect the heart. It doesn't work that way. And as soon as the essence of ethos of Christian character, and that itself is saltiness and brightness, which is our role. And did you know the church, um, at least our Crossway Church's vision statement, it's not so much of doing. So in pragmatic world, and so we will do such a th such a th such a thing. But our mission statement begins with being to be Christ's transforming community that impacts our lives and our neighbors and the world for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. Did you notice that being who we are, retaining saltiness and brightness is actually our role while we are on this earth. And the majority, the main part was about Christian righteousness, that you need to surpass the righteousness of uh, Pharisees which is externalism, which is legalism. So on, this, uh, on, on the horizontal level, they looked absolutely righteous in, in society eyes. How can you be more righteous than they? Well, actually, Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup. And then if you really clean the inside of the cup, the natural outcome, outflow of your Christian life should be righteous living, which is conduct, the Christian doing. And then today as we begin, the key word is choice, Christian choice. Choice for what? And I'll explain a little more. Basically, Jesus is concluding and applying whatever what he has says, and then in the Double side of it. One side is warning. And the other side is challenge and encouragement to obey, not just to 
have a head knowledge. Okay. So today as we begin, the beginning with this section, the Jesus presents a series of contrasting choices. It is intentional on his part. The t- our passage today, our text today is 13 and verses 13 and 14, which is about two rows, narrow or wide. Verses 15 and 20 through 23 is two trees, good or bad trees. And then finally, two builders in verses 24 to 27, wise builders or foolish builders. I want to be upfront about this. This is very politically incorrect culturally offensive command because our is the culture anyone who insists about one thing too much you're narrow-minded you're bigot the relativism not only works on the cultural relativism no ethnic one ethnic groups culture is absolute which is true but that was taken to another extreme saying there is really no absolute truth there is no absolute right and wrong which is very familiar stuff even in our culture and I think even last part Five years, past five years, and what's going on even right now in the United States of America is that heated movement going on. In the midst of it all, Jesus represents a fork of the road. Facing him, you have to choose one way or the other. Facing him, there are only two options which Americans really hate that. We need many options. Facing him, we need to make a commitment, decisive commitment. And even in our church, I think well-meaning people in our our generation is the generation that, uh, in good sense, we want to be authentic, real. So when we sign something and make a commitment, we want to follow through. We don't want to just sign and as if it's okay to violate your sign or signature or covenant. So even our membership covenant, some some of our church people, it's it's not a legal document, but in and on their mind, and to for them to sign the our membership covenant took three or four years. Why? It's difficult to commit. And some of you are smiling. They think you're showing who you are right there. (laughs) Do you know the warning is that Jesus this morning stands up here, not me. We must not, and our church will not, add any offensive stuff on top of Jesus' claim. But Jesus claims there's only one way. 
that is right, and the other way is wrong. One way is leads to life, the other way leads to destruction. Then we cannot and must not receive Jesus' teaching conceptually. Because he calls for a decisive commitment. I was going to say calls for decision. But some decisions can be more of a conceptual decision. Yeah, I do agree. But that doesn't mean I'm going to follow through. So making pathway to become becoming Christian so easy we thought Westerners and church leaders and evangelical leaders thought this is the way to go. But what we find out more and more is easy believism. And the warning is for us too. It comes down to this. It sounds like a very fundamentalistic question, right? Are we really saved? Have we chosen the pathway that Jesus is calling us to do? Or are we deluding ourselves? Jesus is, watch out. He's warning us. And he's encouraging us. This is obviously command. Enter by the narrow gate. Command of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jim Elliot is the famous uh, missionary. At his young age, he wrote this in his journal. His journal, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a milepost on a single road. Make me a fork. That man must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. That is the spirit who follows Christ wholeheartedly. Because Jesus himself is the fork. We are not the fork of Christ in us. People have to choose one way or the other. And this is not a new idea either. In Old Testament, Joshua, when he sees the divisiveness, half-heartedness of Israelites, he said, choose for yourself today whether you will serve God or serve others. As for me, the famous the plague is in our houses, as for me and and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose today. Do not delay. I want to be very clear. And in, in, in any of our studies and messages and sermons, the first thing that we are looking for is what does it say? So, I want to draw out the meaning, contextual meaning, 
that Jesus is saying, and let's take that exegesis first, and then second hot button for our value is let's not sit around and kick it around theoretically. How will you, how will I respond to it, apply it? But we need to find the sentential meaning, clear meaning, first. The text is two verses only. Enter by the narrow gate, verse 13. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The first thing that we need to remember is that this is not a contrast between the irreligious way and the religious way, between the Christian way and the non-Christian way. No, actually, what Jesus has been continually expounding is a Pharisee versus do not be like them, right? The true Christian way. It is rather contrast between the way of counterfeit conversion or counterfeit discipleship and the way of true conversion or true followership of Christ. No one road has a sign that says this way to destruction and death. Both road signs say this way to life and salvation. It presents choices between contrasting elements. There are at least four here. Two gates, wide or narrow. Two ways, easy way or versus hard way. And thirdly, two destinations, destruction versus life. And the two crowds, many versus few. But we ought to remember there are only two choices, not three, not four. Between the choice between the wide road or broad road or the narrow road. So let's make the meaning and the application, I mean meaning and the implication, the characteristics of each choice is very clear. Starting with the wide gate or wide road, its meaning in short, it is the way of the world. Man's way to salvation is a man-centered way. A man's way to abundant life, it is the way of man's wisdom and merit. Before you think that it's about atheistic world, we should think about well-meaning people who declare to follow Christ. Therefore, counterfeit conversion. The God is involved in all this. In essence, it is a self 
seeking way. Doing religious things, doing even Christian things. Self-made spirituality, self-made righteousness. So therefore, no self-denial necessary. Self-rule and self-autonomy, which means there's no repentance God. Repentance to God's will is necessary. Moreover, it is essentially about self-help, self-improvement, self-fulfillment. Therefore, no surrender is necessary. So this way is very elusive and delusive in a way like a slippery slope. It doesn't have to be a liberal uh, churches that believe Bible is not God's word. Bible is just men's fiction, all the myth, religious myth. Including us, we might believe the Bible as very beneficial book, the men's best seller in the whole human history. But if you notice, even our churches, you know, or surrounding churches, and if, if we're not careful, we could get into that also too. Five steps of the better marriage. Seven keys to communication. Three crucial ways to have a happy life. Five principles of improving your family life. It it sounds close, but it is all all about self in the middle. That's what I mean by man-centered way. Characteristic is, as I mentioned, it is delusive. Gate is wide, inclusive attractive, it is easy, and it is popular. Many enter through it, which means you can enter it with a crowd. But it leads to destruction. More offensive word is hell. It leads to hell. And what is hell? Basically, it is a reality, real place for eternal punishment and separation from God. No wonder Jesus is giving us warning. Don't think that you're on the right path. If you begin to see these characteristics, watch out. You might be on the road that leads to destruction. But yet, I... I, did so many good things, Lord. I cast out demons in, in the name of Christ. That's the next section. The prophets and spirit, false prophets and teachers coming up. So now let's look at the narrow gate and narrow road. It's meaning in short, it is the way of Jesus versus the way of the world. God's way to salvation, God's 
revelation makes the road narrow. Because when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Not all roads leads to Rome. And even, even in this way, we are disadvantages also too. Because when you, what's really savvy and very attractive way of doing a church and living Christian life? You understand, you include everybody, like Mosaic. Oh, they're Buddhists and they're universalists and they're uh, Muslims and they're, you know, the liberal Christians who doesn't believe in the Bible. But don't we all look for the same thing? Everything leads to God. And the Christians who are standing in the narrow gate, a narrow road, no, not all roads. Only one road, one way. And there is obviously consequence for that. We're going to be treated as a bigot. Of course, we need to season it with tactfulness, with love. It is really God's way to abundant life, not just a in the future going to heaven. But this is really the way to live where Jesus calls us to live. In essence, it's the self-denying way. Remember? Rather than self-seeking way. Dying to self and taking up the cross and following Christ, enduring suffering and persecution along with joy and peace. In essence, this is the way that Jesus calls us to be on. You know what that means? It's not an easy road. Christian life in America, in South Orange County, and just one of the safest and wealthiest part of the United States, Christian life is still difficult, hard. And you might say, oh, it's all about grace. Why is it difficult? Everything should be so easy. Yes, if you give up yourself. The essence hints on that. There is no free lunch. and There's so many people who would rather to try their own salvation and even it means they're going to hell. And that's the American mind, the Western mind. I did it my way. We even sang that not even realizing what that really, really speaks of. Not God's way. All these things at the end of the day. I remember my uncles and you know, when they were gathered together, they would sing that Sinatra song. So if you really realize that is the broad way. It's not just Bo or Cindy or Wade and Helen or Bob and Grace who are choosing to live 
a sacrificial way. That there might be suffering and persecution could be norm of life. That must be our norm if we are true follower of Christ. You know how skewed we are. And I am not, you know, in a way, hypocritical at pointing fingers. I've been one of those spiritual leaders who believe in the movement. They call it seeker-sensitive or the idea of a user-friendly. Make, let's make this really comfortable and easy. Let's not offensive become offensive. Let's use the languages. The spirit is good, but and yet the, what's undercurrent of all that is if we make things easy for people, they will become Christians and we will have more Christians in our city. No, we have a more problem because people who are deluding themselves, they are Christians and sitting in church thinking that they don't need salvation. Its characteristics, narrow gate and narrow road is paradoxical. Why? The gate is narrow and obscure. You don't find it by accident just because of it's everywhere or it's noticeable. You have to desire and seek it. And it is hard. The way is hard, difficult. Once again, not because of legalism, not because of people who are making all this cultistic idea, cultic idea but because of what Jesus demands is not only the conversion part, but every day to die to self. Take up the cross, which means death, and then follow him. And notice that only few find it. You must enter it alone. You can't enter it with crowd. Even if you love your children so much, you cannot bring your children together. They have to choose to enter it alone. You could encourage them. And if you say, oh, my faith is weak, I want so-and-so, good friend. Oh, I want you, pastor. Take me with you. No, I cannot. This road is... If you look at King James, old language, this is a straight gate. So for modern readers, it's kind of perplexed thing to, to read that. Straight, that means straight. No, straight, S-T-R-A-I-T. Ah, straight. You know the magicians or the mental institute, straight jacket. They tighten it up so you don't have a space. Cramp. You almost like crawl into that. John Bennett has that kind of a mentality. Eye of a needle, Jesus said. Narrow gate. A supernatural way, but God's way of saving the mankind, you and me. But it leads to life. Salvation an eternal life with God in Christ. 
There's a big what if, right? And that's why faith factor is really at the center of it. Yes, if you look at it all around, it seems almost, almost this close. You could give up the hard way and uh, pursue affluence and comfort of Orange County. Entertaining way of doing Christian life. Just a little bit of Christianity to make me good. Not too much, because I don't want to be Jesus freak. I don't want to be extremist in some sense that who's really the religion becomes the entire of it. Those are all the you know typical things that you people go through. As a pastor, your pastor, I'm fearful. Because I don't want to preach God's word with my personality. But I want to preach the gospel with my personality impenetrated by the transformation of the spirit. So I still need to be me. But I need to work in such a way the Holy Spirit flows through me. I have two problems. One is, sometimes I could be stubborn and dogmatic. Oh yeah, I need to repent. Yes, I will repent. But my, frankly, my confession is, it's easier for me to make these things palatable to our generation. Because I, I'm human. I, I want to be liked. I want church to pe- people to come to our church rather than scare them off. And that's why I'm so grateful for William and Mary. I'll explain later why. <laughs> Hearing about their transition, I'm already sad. How they came to know Christ, I mean, came to our church. And the day that I spoke, one hour, five minute sermon, and they came back. And it Charles Spurgeon writes about this passage this way. It is a way of self-denial. It is a way of humility. It is a way which is distasteful to the natural pride of man. It is a precise way. It is a holy way, a straight way. And therefore, men do not care for it. They are too big, too proud to go along with a narrow lane to heaven. Yet this is the right way. There are many broad ways, as Bernian, Bernian says, that abut upon it, lean upon it. That's long, long, old language again. But you may know them by their being broad, and you may know them by their being crowded. The Christian man has to swim against the current. He has to do more than that. He has to go against himself. So straight is the road. But if you wish to go down to perdition, perdition, you may you you have only to float 
with a stream and you can have any quantity of company that you like. I don't know about you, for those of you who grew up in church, can you really pinpoint when you became a really Christian who is saved? True conversion experience. It's hard for us. I was literally like baby going to you know church in mother's my mother's womb. But there is a one season of my life when I was turning eighth grade to ninth ninth grade. I went to a retreat and I realized the meaning of the cross. And I felt so sorry, contrite in my heart for my sin. I decided to follow Christ. And this is my teenage, rebellious years. So, you know, I, one of the decisions that I will not fight anymore, get into the macho and kind of juniorish way of uh, proving oneself. And my brother, because of his kidney uh, infection and disease, uh, my parents sent him to Columbus, Ohio, all by himself. He already had truly deep spiritual experiences because of his sickness, and he thought about death in the hospital so many times. So he was already pursuing God, and he was on fire for God. So knowing that, I wrote a letter to my brother about my experience. I don't remember anything else that he wrote. His, his reply in his letter said this, Paul, that's great. Christian life is not an accessory in your life. Christian faith is not accessory. There's something that you wear on top of any main clothes. It is the purpose of life. He was probably about, what, 15 or 16-year-old kid. And he writes to me that it's stuck. Oh, this is not something that I come alongside. It is the way to really, the goal of my life, I realize. And that really tremendously impacted me. The message of the narrow gate and narrow road is that you cannot just buy three pounds of God and be satisfied with it. Just make you better. An easier way of doing that is that. What's a Christian life look like? What's a church life, normal church life look like in, in Orange County, Southern California, United States? As long as you go to church once a week, and sometimes it's a once a month is okay too because of all these other activities going on. And the church makes everything simpler and uh, quicker and more efficient. One hour, one hour, ten minutes. Sometimes I speak one hour. <laughs> the service is only 60 minutes or 80 minutes. 90 minutes only, and then you're done. Anything after that is extracurricular bonus stuff. 
because you're living in grace. I am not talking about making things more difficult here. Of course, in small church, you have to clean up together, and we have a lunch rotation. Those things are additional things. I'm talking about what's at our heart. It's God the center. That's the narrow gate. Is Jesus is the owner and ruler and Lord of every aspect of our life. That's narrow gate. There is an easy way. So the three applications as we conclude, I want to make it as practical as possible. Number one, we are to examine ourselves. Sorry about that. We are to examine ourselves and decisively choose to enter through Jesus, which is the narrow gate. We are to bring all our baggages, but you cannot carry into the road. You have to drop everything at the cross. Our, not only our sin, but heavy burden, the things that you don't like about yourself and brokenness. Yes, all that. And your pride. And your deep, deepest and most treasured material things. The things that it, in the center of your heart, we need to bring them down. You cannot carry into the road. And Jesus Christ himself is the gate through which you can enter into life. In John 10, verse 9 and 10, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Acts chapter 2, verse 12. This is Apostle Peter's word in his preaching. And he says, And there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We ought to pray for our children. Yes, it's important for us to continually teach them the knowledge and the Bible and stories. But we ought to pray that they will realize that small, narrow gate requires them to put down their pride. Put down their self-centeredness. And put all those sins and ask for free gift of God's forgiveness. It's a humbling thing. Because it's better to earn anything, right? Married anything. Number two, we are to keep vigilant against the lure of the popular easy way for living as a follower of Christ. 
follower of Jesus. The lure sneaks upon us in a subtle, elusive way. And the key to vigilance is devotion to daily scripture guidance and prayer. And this is the reason why we are so adamant. Just, we are so continually renewing our commitment. So because of that, and the, my personality s- stick to it, you may get the wrong message. My message is not, you must do everything what we are doing. Oh, if you are in the middle of the, some other passages and you're going through it, you're sticking to it rather than cherry picking. In other words, oh, today I want to hear God's word. Don't do that. You know, or the, or the only important or the familiar favorite passage, you go to that. So you have a plan that you've been using. Stick to that. That's fine. But we are to continually go to the scripture. Early days of a crossway, we used to say this. Because my life was an example of that. A frog, if you put it in, in a hot water, it will jump out. But frog in a kettle being slowly, he- slowly heated up will not jump out until the death. The culture in which we're in is a slowly heating up with the worldly ways, worldly preachers, worldly way of doing church, worldly way of doing elders, so therefore, we continually become worldly. Do not misunderstand. Just because a church is big and mega churches, that doesn't mean they're on the wide road. But there is a danger to look for crowd and popular things, the things that makes me entertained and makes me you know, think that they have the best programs for this and that. The large churches, you know, I grew up in the largest Presbyterian church in the world in Seoul, Korea. And I am so deeply grateful for that church. Of course, that church is not perfect. But I remember the pastors who really deeply in word of God. And the other aspects might not be, they're not, might not be the, the, the largest Presbyterian church anymore because there's so many mega churches out there. But we are to be vigilant. Let's start with uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Just strengthen our application to through the saturation of the scripture. Jesus said in Luke 9:23 And he said to all, the context is, he's at the peak of his popularity. Gospel of Mark said, he said to the crowd, he turned to the crowd who's following him and said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Why is daily highlighted with red fonts? Because we skip that. I did deny myself and took up the cross, my cross, and followed him. 
10 years ago, 20 years ago, or back in my college days, or back in my young adult days. No, today, we are to continually deny ourselves and take up the cross, willing to die to ourselves. That's Christianity. That's true spirituality. Romans 12, verse 2, in the message translation, Eugene Peterson's word, just captured me so much, although we are very familiar with the traditional uh, literal translation, ESV or NIV or uh, King James Version. Let's read it in uh, message translation, paraphrase of that passage. Romans 12, verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. In what ways shall we become vigilant? Number one, I need to stop, as a pastor, comparing myself with the worldly way of doing church. It seems more Glorious and attention seeking. Self PR is terribly okay, strangely okay. But I need to continually follow Christ and choose the way of the cross to die to myself, to seek the way of humility that as an example for people to follow. What about you? You need to compare your Christian life with your friends. Why? Because if you compare your church life, man, crossway is so difficult. It's like normal way of doing it over there. It's like, why am I doing all this? And they're saying, looking at you, and we used to be called cults. You know? You must be called. You're doing all this together. Why do you spend so, so much time and, and you go to vacations together? You, you, you eat together everywhere. You take rotations. Whatever happened to church serving the, its customers, oops, uh, its members? Let's become vigilant. In our Christ, Christian life, and even we become the forerunner of a developer of our Christian maturity in our kids, too. That's why our church really believes the parent is the forerunner. Not the program, not the dynamic youth pastor, dynamic children's pastor, but we come alongside. And as Wade and Kate are interim, we are looking for the person who will be our youth next youth pastor. But in the meantime, we need to get into the practice of it. Care for our kids and for their spiritual life. Lastly, we are to remind ourselves by faith of the big picture of our journey on the 
on the narrow road. Otherwise, we become discouraged. Disillusionment happens, isn't it? Let's not lose our heart when we face afflictions and hardships in this journey. Let's not lose heart. In coming three Saturdays, you come out, at least one of the Saturdays, I hope you come out. And even this, this uh, right after the service, when we do the hands-on work of moving things. Just purely not seeking easy way of doing Christian life. Why? It is absolutely crucial to think about from natural default mode, which is self-centered way of living, to God-centered living. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, Paul encourages us, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Revelation 3, verse 11, Jesus is saying this to all of us. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. In other passages, Jesus is calling the persecuted church, be faithful until your, your death. I will give you crown of life. I close with this quote from J.C. Ryle, Bishop, Bishop J.C. Ryle. People who are on the narrow road look to Christ. Sometimes when I read them, I feel like they has written it in 2016. He actually wrote this 1856 so powerful and so relevant to us. He writes about reflecting on this passage. These are fearful truth. Bishop Ryle writes, they ought to raise great searchings of heart in the minds of all who hear, him, hear them. Which way am I going? By what road am I traveling? In one or other of the two ways, here described, every one of us may be found. May God give us an honest, self-inquiring spirit and show us what we are. We have no reason to be discouraged and cast down if the religion we, prof we profess is not popular and few agree with us. We must remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ in this passage. The gate is narrow. Repentance and the faith in Christ and holiness of life have never been fashionable. The true flock of Christ has been always, always been small. It must not move us to find that we are reckoned singular and peculiar and bigoted and narrow-minded. This 
is a narrow way. Surely it is better to enter into life eternal with a few than to, than to go to destruction with a great company. so profound brothers and sisters my dear friends let's enter by the narrow gate this week let's become vigilant against the lures of popular easy way this week let's keep reminding ourselves the big picture amidst the paradoxical things when we experience especially hardships, difficulties, and even pain. May the Lord give you comfort and persevering heart along with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning and the challenge. One thing we continually ask for is the clarity of your guidance through the scripture. Certainly we do not want to be uh, extremists because of our personality, but we do desire to follow your way and the truthful way and the narrow way and enter by you, Lord Jesus, the door of life. When we face some difficulties and some discouragements even, would you encourage us and keep us focused on you we pray especially for those brothers and sisters who are not doing well spiritually, the worldly things and lures have put them on a slippery slope. Have mercy on them, on them. Have mercy on all of us and give us a joy as we roll up the sleeve and put our hearts in following hard after you. And knowing that there is a fullness of joy in the presence of God. And for eternity, we will be rewarded as a co-heirs of Christ, your son. And to that end, we pray, may your glory be our supreme concern. In that glory, may we seek our fullness of joy in spite of difficulties and obstacles. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.